Welcome. I'm your host, Quincy. And I'm your host, Sean. And this is Over 30. And today we have our special guest, Deidre Reyes, who is going to talk to us about the side effects of child molestation. And we also have our entanglement letter entitled, We Don't Need an Audience. Deidre, thank you for coming on. How are you doing today? I am doing good in yourself. I'm doing wonderful. And I wanted to get started talking about first, not where you are today, but how you got to where you are today. Can you um, tell us what age your molestation started? I was five. About five years old. Wow, that's pretty young. Yeah. And at five years old, did you understand what was happening to you? I didn't understand any of those things. You know, I just knew that it didn't feel right. You know what I mean? I felt like um, something was wrong. I didn't understand any of that. And uh, as a child, when you're being uh, put into that situation, did you feel like you were pressured into not only um, participating in it, but keeping that secret? Yes, absolutely. And how often did it occur? Um, at that age, I have to say maybe, maybe twice a week. Absolutely, around about, tw about twice a week. That's very often. Mm -hmm. And can I ask you where it occurred? At home. It was at home. Wow. Mm -hmm. So how did that make you feel being at home and it occurring at home? I mean, did that make home for you not the safe space that it should have been? I felt like I wasn't safe. I didn't understand how those things can be happening to me and there were other adults in the house. So to me, thinking, going back, thinking about it now at the age that I am and, you know, in my younger years as a young adult, I'm thinking to myself, like, how can those things happen to a person, a child, when there's always some adults in the house? So to me, it's like, Where's everybody? Is that all? Is that is this some type of okay thing? You know, so no, I didn't feel safe. I I felt like I didn't belong there. You know, so it wasn't right. No, it's definitely not right. No, not at all. Uh, you said there were other people in the house, but do you think there was other people in the house who actually were aware that you were being molested? I don't believe that any of the people in the house were aware, like my mom, my stepdad, um, um, other uncles that was, you know, there, other family members. But I just, you know, I don't believe that they knew it. But, you know, by behavior as a child, they should have known something was going on. Because, you know, I, I believe that I gave, I gave my mother kind of, you know, I don't want to say it, H-E-L-L-L coming up as a, you know, a little toddler, I was bad. So some of the things that she would say, you know, because she didn't understand why was I that way? Because, you know, she was a young mother. She didn't, didn't ask because maybe she didn't know that 
those things could have happened to me because that was, you know, her brother and, you know, things like that. So that's something that she probably would never think in the wildest mind, her mind, you know, that's her brother. You know what I mean? So you were being molested by your uncle. Absolutely. Was he closer in age to you than your mother? No, not at all. He uh, was probably in college, I have to say. You know what I mean? He was on his way to college or something like that. He was at least 20, in his 20s, you know? Um, yeah, he was older, much older. A grown man. He had a kid of his own, you know? Hmm. And did you feel, I'm, I'm getting feedback somewhere, is there? Yeah, I'm sorry, it's the phone, I'll turn it down. Okay, um, did you feel because he was older than you that you were obligated to um, keep his secret? Um, at, at the time, it was a lot of threat, you know, you say this, this is gonna happen, you say that I'm gonna do this type of thing. As a five-year-old, you know, can you turn it down? As a five-year-old, you know, you are afraid to say those things because you've been threatened not to. You know, like I'm going to uh, kill you or put you in a dryer or kill your mom, your little brother, things like that. So, you know, when you, as a child, you cannot, if you're not strong enough to say, you know, these things is happening because you're not afraid that this person said those things. But me, I was afraid to say, you know, to tell because of the things that it was said. And how old were you when you actually told someone? Um, things were occurring in the family. There were other, there were other children. Um, we got together, and, you know, I don't know, as kids, we were, you know, spend nights with each other and things like that, and um, talks came about. You know, I think I may have been about maybe eight or nine. When we all started to talk about the things that were happening to us, so it was still happening. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. It's been like a gener generation curse with this guy, you mm. know, for years before before us, you know, and it's just, it's an ugly situation. But you know, that's what happened, and it, and, and I think he thought that. I could continue to do these things because no one is saying anything. These little girls are not saying nothing. Even way back when he was a, a kid himself. So he had got away with it. So he just continued it on to the next generation because no one said anything to him. Yes, yes. And when you, um, I assume you and your cousins got together and had this conversation, did you guys... Uh, tell anyone or did you confront him? We didn't tell anybody the, the, um, at that point as teenagers. We didn't say anything. We kept it among ourselves. We just tried to, you know, shy it away and, you know, try to stay clear away from him, you know, and things like that. But, you know, apparently... That didn't happen, you know, because he was just lurking around like a little slime he is. So, you know, he got away with a lot of things. How old were you when the molestation stopped? I was about 14 years old, 
And um, when he came to live with us, oh my God, my mother still didn't know. We moved uh, the time as, as a five-year-old, we were living in the projects or something like that. We moved away and um, he came to live with us. And I was about 14 and, um, and he came to stay and I just felt crushed like Lord, you know. Um, I was, I can remember me sleeping in jeans as tight as they can be, like maybe two pairs. So I'll have a hard time for him to try to get these pants off of me. And my mother would always like wake me up for school the next day or maybe even a Saturday. Why are you sleeping in your pants? You're supposed to be in your pajamas. And I was like, I fell asleep, you know. So this one particular night, I was like waiting. Like I knew that I was waiting on him to come and mess with me, you know. And I found this big old Friday the 13th night that I had it under my pillow. I didn't fall asleep because I knew that he was coming. And when he came in there and, I, and he got the tugging on me and I jumped up and I pulled a knife on him and said, you touch me again. I was, I, I remember this was like yesterday. I was going to cut his throat and I was going to tell my grandma. And he backed up off me and he never did anything else to me. But he was still, when he would come around, you know, try to say little things to me. And I would just give him the look and I wouldn't say nothing, you know? And you said that this caused you to act out in school. When you got to be a teenager and you got to be 14 with all the things that are going on in your life and you trying to figure yourself out, how did that display? I was very promiscuous, you know, um, thinking that that was just a thing to do. Um, but I pick and choose, chose, you know, we, we have choices, you know what I mean? <clears throat> I was promiscuous, um, was out there just wilding out, and my mother couldn't understand still, you know, why I was on this way, and I stayed in trouble, you know, some to the point to where some of the time I didn't even come home until late, and I didn't care about if I got into trouble or, or disciplined or anything like that. I didn't care because, you know, I was numb to the fact to – you know, any and everything. So it didn't matter to me, you know, coming up. And at what age, or was it recently, did you realize that this was a heavy burden on you? <clears throat> you know, I have to say, um, things was happening when I moved away, got my own family, you know, as a young adult, I believe 21, it all came out. Because he... Uh, another child fell victim to him, several under him. And, you know, and I said, you know, I got together with family members who that happened to him, to them, and we talked about it, and I said, you know, this can't happen. We should have said something before. And, you know, um, it's just 21 is when it all came out. And things started to change in the family, you know, because everybody knew. But it just didn't, it didn't quite stop there. They just swept, it was swept under the rug like it was this thing, you know, like this dirty little secret that black, a black family is not going to say. We're going to still party around this person like he's mm. like God Almighty. That's that was crazy. It. And he would come around and sing, oh, you know, you let him sing, you know, they just praised this guy, even though it was out, like. Who does that? You know, yeah. that's how it always has been. You know, 
Yeah. And I, I have to agree with you, you know, Sean's shocked, but you know, when we were doing the interview conversation, I said to you, and I still mean it, you know, um, and I'm just going to say it's a, a black thing because I'm black. I only know about being raised black, but we don't often talk about the things that we need to talk about because we don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be ashamed. We don't want that stigma attached to our DNA. So a lot of times people don't say things, you know, and I'm the person in my family that says everything. I say everything and, and then some change and people don't like me. But I feel like you have to say it because if you don't, what you said happens. It'll continue from generation to generation and no one gets held accountable because your uncle was never tried, he was never sentenced, he never went to jail for molestation of his nieces and cousins, correct? Well, for, for my generation, no. But what happened later on as of uh, maybe about five years ago, yes. We all got together and I have to say, you know, my little hero to this day, um, I don't like to say names, you know, um, but she felt victim and you know what we put him in jail and he is there and he's going to be there for a long time you know so hopefully he's not going to be a lifer you know what i mean but that's where he at you know right now he kind of this whole thing right here has broken up the family and we are so close-knit but it's a horrible thing because black these things been happening in the minority black families and mm -hmm. uh, uh, kids. We were not allowed to speak about sex, depending on where your parents are from. You know, my grandmother, you cannot, you could not talk no, no, no sex in the family. You know, you can't talk about that. So that alone right there didn't give us the, the, uh, the say, Hey, I got a voice. I got to tell you something because if we said those things out of fear, Maybe we would have gotten into some type of trouble or we would have got our butts whooped or something. That's what we thought. Right. So because we talk about it. But see, black families need to stop, you know, these days, stop leaving your kids with any and everybody, even your brothers and uncles or whoever you think that they're safe. These kids are not safe. And when you get to be my age, I'm mm -mm. 50. And it, it carries on with you as a child. You know what I mean? And you, you live in this thing like, all the time it's, it's never in the back it's always in the back of my mind like i got i have grandkids i got kids all over again that i'm raising foster children and it's a horrible situation to be in i can't rest most of the time mm. i'm always thinking you know and that's just how my life is therapy and all that type of stuff is great i've been there you know, not to tell anybody as family, you know, take care of your family. Check your kids, your boys, too. Don't be leaving your boys and your daughters with people because they do these things. Family members is crazy. And black families need to realize and wake up. Ask your kids questions. Look at how they act. Why are you acting like that? Find mm -hmm. out. Ask them some questions. Sit down at the dinner table like people don't eat at the dinner table no more. They eat all over the couch room. No, mm -hmm. we sit at the, at the table still. No, we're going to talk. Let's talk about what you did. That's how you get stuff out of your kids. You know what I mean? 
Don't do it. Keep keep eye on your children. That's all I got to say about it. You know? How did this affect your um, relationships that you were in, and, and did it make you distrust men? Oh, absolutely. I um, was married to my kid's father for 18 plus. Um, I, you know, put a lot of trust in him. He's a good person. You know, I think because we were kids, we grew apart. Um, but I still had some trust issues still. You know what I mean? So after him, I just, I didn't, I didn't lean towards any other men. I am married now. I have a wife. You know, because uh, the trust issue with men is just not there. I mean, I have friends, you know, co-workers of friends and some school people, you know, but I don't have that intimate trust with a man. Uh, you know, I love my wife and I have all the trust here because I know that she's going to take care of me mentally. You know, I don't have to worry about she rather than he, you know, you know what I'm saying? And it's, and people may look at it like, wow, you know, that's why they never really had the story because they never really asked, you know what I mean? So I, I like to talk about it because that's self therapy for me. Some people can't. And that's that thing right there. That's what's keeping them back. Not being able to talk about the molestation or the rape. The things that happened to me were horrible things. And I'm sure there are other people out there can, sympathize and where I come from. And do you find now, because we had talked about that too, you know, once you get over 40, you know, you kind of feel like you do have this weight on you. Um, and talking about things that people don't really want to talk about is therapeutic. Uh, do you feel like now more than ever you need to share your story just for that reason? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that if I can be an advocate for 21 that needs to come out and tell their parents something, they need to look at this and say, hey, I'm going, whether they 50, 80, 60 years old, and that person is still living, you know, it's there, there's not a, uh, what is it, a statute of mm -hmm. uh, limitation towards rape and molestation just so they can know, oh, I'm going to send him or her to jail. Yes, you know, do it. You know, think about it. I have to come, I have to get to this age and say, no, I'm going to start talking for other folks that can't. And that's a good thing. And is this something that, you know, you talk to, I know you said, you know, talk to your children and, and find out what's going on with them. But is this something you talk to your younger children about? You know, are, are you, are you, you're saying about the children that I'm now raising or my, yes. my, oh, you know, it's a bad thing with that because they come from the same thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, they come from the same thing. And, you know, I have a hard, we have a hard time with these children because they're all over the place. Their minds are so messed up, you know, and it makes me cry because I can't control that. That's their, the things that they do is, unbelievable i'm surprised that me as a child didn't do some of the things that i've witnessed with the kids that we have um but we're going to help them that's what we're there we're there to help them and try to get them through these things and it's horrible i can only imagine me as a kid by looking through them 
I probably did some of the things, just don't remember it. Do you think that makes you a more empathetic parent? Sean, were you going to say something? Uh, no, because I'm still thinking about putting hands on him. So, you know, no. I mean, I, I, I could just say like this. Um, I, as far as I, I was raised, uh, my mom had an open door policy and my mom was always watching us and this stuff, you know, so I ne we never had those types of instances. I can't say that I know one of my family members that even tried anything like that, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, man, I could just imagine the anger that I would have, you know what I'm saying, for uncle, cousin, even one of my brothers, you know what I'm saying? I don't think I would be, you know, I would probably be in jail right along with them if they made it past my wrath. I could just say it like that. That's pretty much mm -hmm. it, you know? Mm -hmm. I yes. sympathize for you, definitely. That, yeah, because that's crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. To take away the, a child's innocence, that's how I look at it. It's like, you're taking away their innocence, their, you know, their, whole childhood is destroyed with something like that. And so, you know, yeah. it, it, I'm sitting here like fuming, like on fire mm -hmm. right now, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what we're really to say about that. You know, you, man, might need to get his contact information and pay him a visit. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But we're going to definitely try to keep him there. You know, I think he's up for, trying to have some type of parole or some mess like that, but That's it's not going to happen. I think we're supposed yeah. to get together and go say, no, no, he needs to stay. Yeah, needs to stay there forever. Absolutely. And what made you get to the point, Deidre, where you realized that you needed therapy? I realized I needed therapy when I got these kids, and I thought I looked at them like that was me. It, it it took me way back and I got to thinking and I got depressed and I started crying a lot. I couldn't work. I, every, any and everything that I did, you know, I got to thought, I was thinking about my grandkids, like people was going to do things to them. And I, I said, you know, and this is crazy because I had it all in the back of my mind. Like I had it all away. I didn't, I didn't think about it. I said, you know, I forgave this guy. Because if I didn't, we wouldn't be frolicking, prancing around, dancing on, on, on Christmas days and stuff like that, family reunions in front of the man. But then when I got these kids, I said, that's me. That is me. I, I, I was, I was kind of mortified behind it because I had blocked so many things. And I said, that's how I used to be. i got to help these kids. It's hard. It's hard. But, you know. I said, let me take care of me first, because how can I take care of somebody else when I can't take care of my mental first? So I had mm -hmm. to. Go. And let me tell you something. It worked. I almost want to go back and talk to her and just say, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> you know, to thank you, because it works. It works. And it's, it's very powerful to no longer keep a secret that was such a hard secret to keep, especially because there's a level of intimidation that goes along with it and fear 
um, which is, um, I can't really think of the word that I'm trying to say, but it's almost um, traumatic emotionally to a child to carry that, you know? So I'm glad that you guys got it out. I'm sad to hear that there were so many of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a situation that, 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 that never goes away. And I'm talking for those who can't. Did anyone who was not related to you ever come forward and say, me too? Wow. So he was an opportunist. Absolutely. He was just all over the place. He was just a monster, you know. Mm -hmm. a monster. He didn't care who it was. Boys, girls. That's terrible. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't matter. It didn't matter to him. And how long did they give him? I think like, a, what was it, 25 or something like that? 12 to 20, 12 years or something like that. I don't know. It wasn't that long, but it ain't long enough. No, definitely not. And looking back, was there anything that you would have done differently? Absolutely. I would have told my mother. I would have told my dad. My dad was this crazy, deranged person. I'm his only child. Mm. And he would have took him off the set a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm saying this because it's real. But... I absolutely would have said something because you know why? It wouldn't have never gotten this far. He wouldn't have never mm -hmm. been able to do anything to anybody else. But nope. because I was a kid and I thought, and I forgot to tell you one thing as I, as a teenager, he got to be on, you know, some drugs or whatever. And I said, oh, maybe that's why he did these things because he was a dope head. And that's why we, in our mind, we said, well, we're going to forgive him. That's why we never said nothing. Because we was kids, we was thinking, oh, you know, but back then, he wasn't on drugs. So I absolutely would have told somebody that I'd known that would have done something. Yeah. And that had to be hard, sitting down with him, knowing he was in the house at family gatherings, at parties, coming to visit, you know, and even wondering if he was going to show up and you would be alone with him. Yeah. Even, as a, even as an adult, he would, you know, we have our little functions, you know, family reunions or whatever. He and we'd be looking at him. We'll all get in the huddle and we'd just be looking at him like, well, thinking in our mind, I'm, I know they're thinking the same thing as me. We just never said. And I was like, look at this. Here he come lurking around, you know, and he finally walked, walked you know, find his way over there. Yeah, it was hard. It was absolutely hard because at that time, nobody knew anything. Even as adults, we have our own kids, you know, but, um, I, you know, I didn't entertain too much, but I, 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 you know, spoke or whatever I needed to do and went on by my business, you know. So, yeah, it was hard because I was looking for my kids. I'm like, where are my kids? Because I got three mm -hmm. daughters. Where my daughters at, you know? And that's what I did. I was always on tactical alert when it came to, when it comes to family functions, even if he's not there, because I just didn't trust anybody. Period. Glad that you definitely survived it. I'm glad that you're in a relationship that you're happy with and you feel comfortable with. And I really do appreciate you coming on and telling your story because so many stories go untold. And I'm, 
even more grateful, you know, that you are, you know, a foster parent and that you can be there for someone and understand, you know, what they went through in life and help them through that. That's, that's a blessing and a beautiful thing if nothing else good came out of this. Yeah. So, and I, I kind of hate to go from one thing to another, but we do have our entanglement letter. So I'm going to just read our entanglement letter. Deidre, if you'd like, you can stay on and give us your thoughts on the situation. And it says, hi, I am a recently divorced over 50 woman who started dating casually two years ago. Over lockdown, I started getting to know one of the guys I was dating much better. I thought he could be someone I could have a sexual relationship with. Since separating from my ex, I hadn't had sex with anyone. Actually, I have only had sex with three people prior to my new relationship. Maybe I'm overreacting because sometimes I feel like a dating outsider, but when we started having sex, his dog sat next to the bed and watched. I couldn't concentrate. I asked him to remove the dog. He said I was lying in his bed and that he sleeps with his dog and he can watch if he wants to. I felt insulted and ignored. I grabbed my things and left before we were done. We haven't spoken since. Is this normal? No. No, Hell not normal. No. <laughs> Hell no. It sounds like he having sex with his dog. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Like, mm. Yeah, I sleep with my dog, and that's okay for him to watch. Man, you don't knock it off. Right. Yeah, exactly. you don't, you don't, yeah exactly. You don't need to mess with nobody like that. That don't sound There's right. people out here that, yeah, there are normal people that like to have normal sex yeah. in a room with just themselves. Absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't, see, me personally, I don't like dogs in the bed. I don't like dogs on the furniture. You know, I don't like dogs in the house. How about we start with that? You know what I'm saying? We don't do dogs in the house. You know, I, I mean, because the dogs in the house, you got dogs everywhere. Yeah, they in your bed, they on your couch, they uh, leaving surprises all over the place. Yeah, we're not with that. I have two dogs you know. in the house, but guess what? They in a cage. And the only time they get to walk out is when I'm walking their little butts outside <laughs> and back into the cage. They do not run around the house because... No, <laughs> I can't do the, the dogs or the cats that, you know, just if you got your pets and your pets are like they say house trained and they, you know, they stay to their areas, you know what I mean? I guess that's okay with you, but I come over and we, you know, having sex and we in the bed, all animals got to leave the bedroom, you know, I dated, <laughs> I dated a girl like that where we were in the bedroom and the dog would be at the foot of the bed. And when it got a little bit too physical and she started really, you know, moaning and getting into it, the dog started whining. I'm like, and that threw me off. I'm like, he got to go. You know, I got to, I got to get up and shoot him like out the door and close the door. You know what I'm saying? You sympathizing. I'm not in here hurting your mama or whatever you might be thinking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, that's, you know. that's not a good look. No, it's not. You know what I'm saying? And then to say he sleeps in the bed. Wait, what just happened? Are you serious? He sleeps in the bed with me? <laughs> and you need to uh, respect the fact that he just want to sit here and watch. It's okay. No, no. 
you need to find you another dude. Let's just go on and just keep getting back in the dating pool. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Jump back in, but next time check the water. Just that water right there, it looked like it got too much pee in it. Dog pee. Yeah, that. So, you know what I'm saying? Let's go to a different pool. Try that again. So what are we, Sean? Six and zero? Nobody gets to stay with, they, with their, you know? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you like this. If we need to put some ranking on it, yeah. It's six and zero because you guys are picking zeros. And then, you you know what I'm saying? It's okay to come in and ask for advice. But let me give you sound advice. I'm not going to be like, yeah, let's just try to make that work. Maybe next time, you know what I'm saying, don't pay so much attention to that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell you nothing that I wouldn't do. So, I mean, yeah, get that, that relationship is over with. I wouldn't stay in that relationship. The dog sleeps in the bed. Mm, that let me know right there. I don't need to be in the bed. Maybe we need to do it at my place. That way your dog can have his bed, you know what I mean, whatever he needs, you know, at your place. But that me coming over to your place and I gotta sit there and watch it. No, mm -mm. no. Well, I think for me it's the fact that after she left, he didn't contact her. So I guess the dog was more important. The dog won. Yeah, that's his dog. He's laying in the bed. He probably licked the dog in the face. The dog, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Right and all that. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right. Well, there we go. Another no. Your relationship is over. No, no. Be happy with it. Let's put the hell to the no. No, no, no. Not just no. Hell to the no. You know what I'm saying? We need to put that up in the ranking. Mm -mm. Well, that's it for over 30. Deidre, thank you for coming on. We appreciate having you. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Definitely appreciate you. Until next right, time on Over 30. Peace and good night.